This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It's Friday, 6th January, Year of Alert 2023. Uh, historic day, and it's going to be historic night, I think. We're going to reconvene at 10 o'clock for the Star Chamber. You got a hard six. You got another, what, 14 or 15 that are out negotiated a deal. I think Anna Paulina Luna is going to join us, hopefully, in a little while by phone to walk us through. The, look, if it happens, it's historic, right? If it happens, it's historic. People should understand that. But by the way, it has to happen. It has to be actually, you heard Mike Davis, you heard myself, you heard John Fredericks, we're, you know, Davis and I are deal guys. I'm always um, very concerned when you don't actually have it in your hand, particularly when you're dealing with these guys like the cartels. However, if they, we hadn't gone through this exercise and you got the hard six that says, no, I can't take him as speaker, they got, the cartel head's got to leave. But you wouldn't have never gotten, uh, you know, and this is what, you know, Commander Zinke, uh, a great guy, but, you know, he's there on CNN every night talking. He was a guy that came in from McCarthy early on. If you hadn't gone through this exercise, which is not painful, but this is about change, you would have never have gotten the potential historic elements that really people have worked on for 20, 25 years. I got Pedro Gonzalez from Chronicles, one of the editors over there. Uh, Pedro, I know you're overseas. It's late. I want to get you first. I got Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen. We have the Darren Beatty. We're going to try and get Anna Polina Luna. Um, Pedro, you've had, as is your want, you've had some pretty uh, direct uh, tweets today. <laughs> I guess that's the way I can diplomatically say it. You know, you're one of the young, great intellectual lights in our movement. Uh, and I think you've been quite blunt today on, on Twitter. Can you tell us what your, your, what your position is as, as we sit here tonight uh, sure. where they're going to have a star chamber sometimes start at 10 o'clock and try to try to break the hard six? Yeah, well, Steve, first, uh, thanks for having me on. And your uh, your opener actually stole some of my lines, and I'll come back to that. But what I was tweeting today that I think you're referring to is that that basically this was a really important moment, right? This is one of the most important political debates. Matt Rosendale said on the floor the other night that in the last three days, he's participated in more meaningful discussion and constructive debate over the things that affect millions of lives in those three days than he has in the last two years. That, In other words, congressmen are being forced to work and actually negotiate and do things uh, and, and compromise and, and come to an understanding and, and, and form a consensus, right? Where otherwise they just kind of phone it in. Uh, if you haven't seen that clip where Rosendale is saying that if his constituents knew what really happens in Congress, they'd be shocked and horrified that they think this is what happens every day. Mm -hmm. It's always this contentious debate. It's not. And I think that's that's part of the problem is we've been encouraged to be so complacent. Um, so this is an important moment, needless to say. And what I wrote today on Twitter was that in this really important moment, Trump, who is, you know, still considered a sort of like a kingmaker figure in the GOP, had a chance to chime in and put his thumb on the scale, either on the side of the 20 or the rebels, whatever you want to call them, uh, to, to basically put his thumb on the scale for them or side with McCarthy and, and put pressure on either side. And he chose McCarthy. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. Trump came in. I think after McCarthy failed for the third time to get enough votes and said, basically, you know, OK, it, that's enough. Time to wrap it up and vote for Mike Kevin. And then Lauren Boebert um, gave gave a, a speech on the floor where she said that she claimed that Trump had actually called uh, members of the 20 and told them to, quote, knock it off and to vote for Kevin. And I think this is really important because, again, at this really pivotal moment, Trump chose not to pressure McCarthy's critics, or excuse me, Trump chose not to pressure McCarthy. He could still, you know, back McCarthy, but pressure him to make these concessions that are meaningful and binding to the 20. But instead, he actually chose to pressure the 20. And I think that that is really telling 
and a bad sign for the people who still, you know, look to him as a kind of anti-establishment figure because Trump just put his thumb on the scale for the establishment. And going back to what you opened with, any meaningful concessions that actually come out of this, you know, if we actually manage to strap McCarthy to the chair and have him sign uh, enumerate concessions on an enchanted scroll that's somehow connected to his soul so he can't, you know, lie his way out of it, uh, because I think that's what it would take to get him to not lie his way out of something, right? If that happens, it will be despite immense pressure from pretty much all conservative media, with the notable exception of Tucker Carlson, all the legacy GOP and Trump. I mean, these 20 really took a stand against everyone. And again, whatever concessions they get, it will be truly just of their own work and will. Do you, by the way, we had talked about this a year, year and a half ago. Do you think that President Trump, if we, if President Trump had gotten focused, do you think he could have actually been selected to be a uh, speaker on Monday night for some interim period of time if he'd been focused? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. But I, but I know that if Trump would have squeezed McCarthy and, and used, you know, the, the, the pulpit to bully him, uh, to, to, to pressure McCarthy's allies or, you know, to use whatever lever leverage is still available to him, that could have made a a difference. Uh, maybe it would have been able to get these concessions out of McCarthy faster. Who, I mean, who knows what could have happened? But I mean, again, imagine if the the GOP, uh, because again, this is where it gets complicated, right? Because we see the establishment. Well, Trump just sided with the establishment uh, on this important moment. So the, the term establishment almost becomes confusing at this point. But you see what I'm saying. Um, I don't know if he could have become speaker, but I know that it would have been very easy for him to basically just squeeze McCarthy and say, comply with the 20 are telling you to do uh, or else, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pull my endorsement from you and endorse a challenger. And he didn't do that. Um, what uh, I want to go back also to the package, if 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 you can pull it off. <clears throat> And I hate the fact they're giving up their leverage. But if you look at this, this is a historic package. Now, part of it's to take away the imperial um, speakership. The other is that they just don't trust McCarthy. The other, they understand we have yeah. massive fights on not just the southern border, but really on the debt ceiling, which is really our big piece of leverage in, in the uh, appropriations bill, the one that will be done this, this year. Would any of this have gotten done unless we have gone through the last four or five days and still have no. much work to do? But would have, no. if they had just coordinated... McCarthy, where would we be, sir? Absolutely not. No. The, I, I, again, I think people are really missing the moment if they're listening to guys like Mark Levin, who scream about 1776 and the Constitution and the Founding Fathers and self-government. But then the moment that, you know, corrupt and abusive leadership is actually challenged, they clutch their pearls and say, you you people are uh, jihadists uh, or whatever, you know, you're, you're radicals or you're insurrectionists. I think that's the, the term that um, Kilmeade used on Fox News, right? Uh, he, he It was a kind yeah. of a slip yeah. where he, he actually immediately apologized for using the term, but it was a slip nonetheless. He referred to them as insurrectionists. I mean, if these 20 had not taken that stand, no, we would not be in the position where we are in right now, where we're even talking about getting something meaningful out of McCarthy. And it's taken what? Uh, I think there's been more than a dozen votes now, right? 13? We're going 13, something like that. 13. Um, yeah. For yeah. the record, the longest and most contentious vote uh, was in, I think, the 34th Congress, and it was uh, 133 votes that lasted about two months. So McCarthy could still have, yeah. uh, you know, a, a ways to go if we want to, uh, if we want to break that record. But the point is, or rather, to your point. No, absolutely not. What the 20 did is incredibly admirable. It was necessary, and it is really shameful that they did not have more support uh, from, from the mainstream conservative movement, from, you know, from Mar-a-Lago, from you name it. Like, they were really on their own. But these moments are important because they're also revealing. You can pay attention to who said what and who took a stand on, on, uh, on what when it actually mattered. No, in that unforgiving moment is what we call it. Uh, and by the way, knowing the twenty pretty well, and particularly the the, the hard the, the hard the hard six, uh, they were approached by many dozens all the time to say, "Hey, look, I really want to come with you. 
I admire what you're doing, but I got a donor problem. I got this, I got that. Uh, and the fact that the conservative media was, was all over him all the time, uh, yeah. did not, did not help at all as a populist nationalist. And, and, and this being a, 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 a win, we didn't take it unless these guys continue to hold tight. And now they're going to start playing games with the denominator. People should understand that not just the numerator, the denominator. So the game's going to be starting to be played tonight. That's where they're doing it in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. what, um, what is what is the what's the teaching moment for the populist nationalist movement? What should people that are really populist and nationalist uh, and traditionalist what what should we take away from this moment? Listen to all of um, Dan Crenshaw's public mental breakdowns and and do the opposite of what he's saying. So you know he's he's saying that these guys are grandstanding, they're sabotaging the process. Actually. And, I, you know, this is this is kind of a leftist line uh, that you so often hear. But this is actually what democracy looks like. It's messy and it's painful and it requires contentious debate. It requires people taking a stand on principle, which I know is something that's totally alien to losers like Dan Crenshaw and all of these other grifters in the GOP that immediately sided with Kevin McCarthy because that's the easy thing to do. Right. Um, but I think that is really the takeaway here is that 20 people. Uh, among hundreds, can actually make a huge difference. I mean, that is really remarkable. Uh, you you just don't see this that that often. But it, and again, going back to Crenshaw because he's he's a great foil. Uh, he said that this sets a dangerous precedent, right? This sets a dangerous precedent that could be repeated in the future. I hope it does. I hope that this is actually is. something that we continue yeah. to do in the future, and we hone it, yeah. and we become better oh, at it's it. Going, it's going, but yes. But by, by the yeah. way, this is why they won't put out the details about the debt ceiling and the appropriations. They understand it. Scott Jennings tried to do the misdirection play. It's about people in Montana are going to think that Rosendale is holding up the investigations. That's all crap. They know where yeah. he stands on investigations. He's tough as boot leather, right. and they know the investigation right. is going to come a couple of weeks because the McConnell faction wants to take you away from debt. They want to take you away from money. They want to take you away from spending because that's what the oligarchs. That's why McConnell's on their payroll, and that's why Scott Jennings on McConnell's payroll. It's go after the shiny Tories. We ain't going after the shiny Tories. We know where the leverage is. Now, even with that, they won't even give the details of what you do. But th- th- we this year in 2023, and that's why starting off with a bang, are going to have some massive, just simply massive debates on really whether it's the southern border, invasion of the southern border, whether it's the debt ceiling, whether it's these appropriations bills. These, if you think it was nasty, it's been so nasty and personal to date, and it got nastier behind the scenes. You ain't seen nothing, ladies and gentlemen. If you're fighting for your country, we didn't say it was going to be easy. We didn't say it was going to be pleasant, and it didn't say it wasn't going to be painful. It's been a, been a yeah. painful week in a lot of respects, but this is what you have to do because the system's so corrupt. Uh, Pedro, you've been doing fantastic work. Uh, you're brilliant and controversial, I think, is a great mix. How do people track you down on social media? The easiest way to find me is on my Substack at contra.substack.com. Uh, you've got my socials there, uh, and it, I also publish original writing and commentary along with roundups of my work from all these other places that I that I publish with. And I'm on social media from Getter to wherever else uh, under the same handle at E M E R I T I C U S. But my Substack uh, is is probably the easiest way to keep up with me. Thank you for staying up tonight to do this. And by the way, all of your writing is uh, very important. Everybody should, we put it up all the time. Everybody should read it. Uh, and your social media is incredible. The Twitter and Thank all you. of it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I got Darren Beatty, and I know Darren Beatty's got a lot to say. I'm going to get to him in one second because I also want to expand it out, not just about what's happened today, but also uh, the historical nature of this day. And then I'm, I think we can play a clip on Ashley Babbitt's a mom. So we're going to get to all that. I want to bring in Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen. Mark, You've done, I guess, some flash polling. Tell us what the polling you've done uh, and what do you have? How can you help inform this discussion about where we stand on this historic weekend, sir? Well, I think people are mixed to ambivalent to, quite frankly, confused. I think we can look at what's happening in the Congress and look at those 20 people standing up against Kevin McCarthy and say, well, they probably have good intentions. There's objectively good things that are happening from them standing up against the, the rest of their party. Um, but, I, you know, most people don't really see it. Uh, asking everybody, should Kevin McCarthy be Speaker of the House? You know, overall voters are mixed and confused and somewhat not sure. But looking at Republicans, 48% of Republicans say yes, which is not a lot. 
but only 29 say no and 23% are not sure. And I think part of that is you look back at 2020 and Trump assembled a huge voting base. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't all MAGA. It wasn't even all Republican. It was, there were a lot of Democrats and independents, some people that you know, really enticed by his message in 2020 to some people that were just voting against Biden. And he sort of lost his voice. And I think a lot of those people left. And what's left is a mix of establishment and MAGA types. And looking at Kevin McCarthy's favorability numbers, they're just kind of mediocre. He's got a 55% favorability among Republicans. You know, that's 10 to 12 points less than where Pelosi sits with Democrats. And just in general, Republicans aren't as happy with their leaders as Democrats are right now. Part of that, well, is that it, but isn't that much? Isn't that much higher? Isn't that much higher than McConnell? Isn't McConnell's oh, yeah. among Republicans incredibly low? Oh, his numbers are are, are horrifying. So with McConnell, it's thirty four percent among Republicans. McCarthy's fifty five percent, and Trump is still at seventy six. I mean, it's not the high nineties like he used to have. Uh, he hasn't been out there racking up wins, and I think some of his MAGA base is probably confused about some of the stances he's taken, absolutely. Uh, but what's interesting is that some of those people seem to be willing to, to break with Trump on issues that they think are hot takes. I think the 30% of Republicans are really probably a good example of that. And I wish, it had, I wish I had asked them in the same question set, but there's a 30 to 40% chunk of Republicans that never got vaccinated either. And of course, Trump famously supported the vaccines and told everybody to get vaccinated as well. So it's it's interesting that this sort of like chunk of MAGA that still wildly supports Trump and is potentially who's breaking with him here to support these people. Um, But yeah, I mean, Mitch McConnell are are like not worth talking about in the same ballpark as as Kevin. How how is. Do you believe that any of this is a trivial McCarthy at 48 percent, which I think people would say is very high? I can tell you in the war room live chat or in my getter uh, feed, it's 95.5 if that probably 98.2. Of course, we're the hardest core of the probably the Trump movement. But I notice a lot of people are upset that President Trump has supported him and actually kind of whipped this. It, because I, I say Trump would have been a much better speaker. And if it gotten organized early, I think Trump would have been picked on Monday night. Do you believe any of that 48 percent are, are people that are Trump people and they look at President Trump and Trump is, is, is basically. Oh, yeah, I think some people McCarthy are. Believing and then yeah, some people said, all right, Trump wants me to support this guy. Maybe something's going on behind the scenes. Sure. I. Kevin McCarthy hasn't given Republicans a ton of reasons to vote against him. His unfavorability numbers aren't that high. I mean, he has a 17% unsure among Republicans. Uh, his very unfavorable among Republicans is only 10%. Um, so you see, you, you hear Matt Gates say a lot of really strong-worded things about Kevin McCarthy. Republicans don't necessarily see it that way. Uh, I think that, like, yeah, pure MAGA sees that there's Good things going on. The rest, everybody's just kind of confused about this. And I think really the optics are, might sort of blow back. We have a question out, set out in the field that unfortunately we're not going to get back till next Tuesday. Um, but we're asking people how serious of a problem is this delay in, in the House getting off the ground? And the number is going to be high. It's going to be 60, 70%. I saw the first night's of results. And then we ask voters who's more to blame, Kevin McCarthy or the Republicans standing up to him. And I'm pretty sure the numbers for Republicans are going to come back mostly split to probably leaning more towards the Republicans standing up to him. So it's more of this. There really doesn't seem to be a lot of unity or leadership on the Republican side right now. Um, It's it's Trump seems to be making calls that are, you know, some part of his backers sort of question. Um, Republican leadership, we have Mitch McConnell, that's basically Voldemort to Republicans. And then on the, you know, Kevin McCarthy, he's not really well known. I mean, King Jeffries is going to come into office and probably have a 20 point higher favorability than Kevin McCarthy, uh, you know, among Democrats. Because we asked Pelosi two weeks after she lost Congress and favorability for her among Democrats was 65%. So like not super high, but 10, 11 points higher than McCarthy is now. And we asked the same set, is Hakeem Jeffries going to be a better or worse speaker than Pelosi? And, you know, the Democrats were all for that guy. 
Um, so they look at their leadership in D.C. and they generally see, you know, harmony. <laughs> if you if you if you asked questions or you in your previous polling about draining the swamp or that, that Washington's dysfunctional. Right. And, and it, it, it that rates very highly among Republican voters, I assume, the phrase drain the swamp and, you know, get, take care of the lobbyists, all that. that people understand <laughs> well, that there's one, a problem with the dysfunction. Good. I'm gonna have to hit our archives for that one, Steve. I you keep you keep assigning me homework. I actually did my homework on the debt. We uh we ran a set of that, and we're gonna re- be releasing the numbers next week. Uh, I mean, oh, we got we got to have we got to have you on the debt day. We, we have to have you on the debt day. That's my baby. But no, because do they understand that this week was about the process, and it's complicated, and particularly if you're not dedicated, like the war room. Audience is obviously at a much higher level because people are attracted to these type of issues and will do the homework that you have to do so they understand it. Does a general Republican voter make the connection between when you say drain the swamp or go after the administrative state or take care of this bureaucracy that's out of control? Connect that to the speeches they heard in this, you know, from the Matt Rosendales and and, and the ability of those twenty. And really the capability of those 20 to go after this, because this week, if if everything happens that they promise it's going to happen, it would be simply sh- nothing short of historic. Right. If the deals get I, done and they get executed, and that's a big if. I see why it could be perceived as a swamp draining uh, event. But I think that this is a, a really super important thing to do a case study on next week about exactly why Republicans in general don't perceive it to be that way. Because I think the numbers on Tuesday are going to show that it wasn't perceived to be that way. I think you're going to see a high majority of Republicans say that it was a serious problem, that the Congress didn't get off and running. And I think you're going to see potentially a a low majority of Republicans blaming uh, the people standing up against Kevin McCarthy. Because once again, you know, Trump supported McCarthy. Um, but there will be a, a, pr- a pretty sizable 30 to 40 percent of Republicans that say it's McCarthy's fault. Um, but I, I think part of it is, you know, there's a really big and unified pundit class still on the Republican side that is not happy that this is going on. And I think that that reaches a lot of people, a lot more than probably the Trump yes. camp thinks. No doubt. Uh, Mark, how do they get to you on social media, the YouTube channel, everything you've got? You've got other polling coming out. We'll have you up next week, particularly the debt and the uh, and your follow up, the final print on uh, on uh, who's to blame for this or who's to take uh, who's to take credit for it. Where, where do people go? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Love to have more subscribers on YouTube. Uh, the videos have really been taken off. Once again, we had thank you again for having us on for that died suddenly poll. That thing circled the earth a couple times. I think millions of people have probably seen that headline. And that was a super important message. 73 million Americans say they know somebody that they personally they think died from the vaccine. And also to, to tease you a little bit on the debt one, we have a strong majority of Americans agreeing with Donald Trump that the omnibus bill is a monstrosity. So that's going to be fun. To wow. Lose. Now, if we could only connect the, the, the omnibus bill to what happened this week, because you want to stop that. If it's a monstrosity, you got to back the guys that are sitting there trying to do it. That's the issue. That's what we got to do in the media. That's our responsibility. But that's our that's our homework assignment. Uh, Mark Mitchell, you're fantastic. We love Rasmus. You do great polling. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate you taking <laughs> time away on a Friday to join us. Oh, my pleasure. Have a good night. Thanks. So I got Darren Beatty from Revolver, and I got the Ashley, but I want to play it on the other side. Give me your response to what's happened today, and then hearing what uh, Mark Mitchell at Rasmussen said, listening to Pedro Gonzalez, which you have enormous respect for, and I know he does for you and Revolver. Give us, give us your assessment, sir. Well, I mean, it's really hard to know what to say yet. I mean, I'm a big fan of the idea of, Trump being speaker. I think that's really maybe one of the only meaningful resolutions to the whole thing. Of course, apart from that, my chief interest in the outcome here is I want whatever resolution is more likely to implement my subpoena wish list in relation to our January 6th reporting. I want to get to the bottom of this. I want to give the FBI and DOJ more headaches. And very simply, Very simply, 
I want the full chain of custody of those DNC pipe bomber surveillance tapes and the full and un unedited footage. So for, that's really my, my chief interest in this from a sort of practical standpoint, what's going to help us get to the bottom of January 6th. But from a broader standpoint, I really do think, you know, this is in a way it's given us the little taste of how boring and uninspiring GOP politics will be in a post-Trump era. You know, Trump is still going to be around and I think he has great shot for 2024, but he's not forever. And it's just kind of a nightmare to think of, you know, marshalling some grand battle to determine whether, you know, Kevin McCarthy or somebody like Steve Scalise is, you know, the, the Speaker of the House. Trump is the only thing that would actually make it fun and interesting and real. And it would be great for him, too, because, you know, I mentioned I keep mentioning I did this amazing interview with him. And I'll be honest, part of the interview, I was kind of poking him a little bit to go back on Twitter, not because I love Twitter so much, but because there's this media blackout that it seems like so many of the corporate regime media has sort of agreed we're just going to shut him out. If he's not going to go up back on Twitter, which is sort of the battlefield, the public square battlefield, Speaker of the House is a great way to circumvent that media blackout in an original and truly historical fashion. So I think it's just a brilliant idea. I understand it's a long shot, but it's the only thing that can actually get me excited at this point. <laughs> Hang on for a second. Darren Beatty, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, J6, what's happening today, what's going to happen tonight. Also got a clip about Ashley Babbitt's uh, mom. Back here in a moment. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Years have proven that we need to be prepared. We constantly see government overreach, attacks on our communication, and energy grid, worldwide conflict, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. Having reliable communications is essential. Now, don't get caught without reliable communication. And I'm here to tell you, your fragile cell phone simply won't cut it. It will not cut it. That's why I've partnered with the Satellite Phone Store so you can stay prepared and assure your vital communication stays private. They're one of America's largest satellite telephone companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. Right now, they have a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123 dot com slash bannon b-a-n-n-o-n get a free amerisat satellite phone 150 monthly minutes free united states domestic number and free rollover minutes for only 99.95 plus tax per month with an annual agreement now go to sat that's s-a-t 123.com sat 123.com slash bannon and get your device today don't put it off life can change in an instant that's sat 123.com slash Bannon. Do it today. Take action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. 
Okay, welcome back. Uh, it's going to be a historic night tonight. 10 o'clock, they're going to come back uh, for the next round. I think it's round 14. Um, want to bring in uh, a congressman-elect, Anna Polina Luna, uh, who has been a big hero of this. And I think people want to know, because you had Daniel Horowitz, you've got um, other really smart, D.C. Drano, other really smart people saying, hey, this is a historic package. You know, what has been accomplished here by your group? Right. The the Freedom Caucus or the or the Scott Perry group, the ones that signed that letter has been nothing short of historic. But it's kind of confusing. Number one, what's actually in it? Why is it historic? historic? And then the, the other question is, people are afraid that, hey, maybe you guys jumped the gun because you don't really have a solid deal. And they're they're completely, um, I want to say, freaked out that Kevin McCarthy and the cartel could, with all your good intentions, bait and switch you guys and you end up with nothing. Congressman Anna. Congressman-elect Anna Paulina Luna. Can you explain that to our audience? Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me back on. So I want to say something. This, what What is being negotiated currently, and hopefully what we'll be able to bring to closure this evening, is something that when we stepped back and looked at it, we realized that this will bring the institutional change to fix a broken system. I know a lot of people are disenfranchised with, one, not only politicians, but also the way that Congress has been run. And to be clear, these uh, negotiations and talks didn't just start on January 2nd. They started months ago. In fact, um, they were in the works from what I gathered even before I got here, starting in the summer and then leading into the fall um, November timeframe there, you know, there was a group of us that met and realized, okay, how do we fix this? We have a speaker's elections coming up, but, but we really do need to have a, um, a part of the conversation. And one of the main things was the Jeffersonian motion to vacate the chair. And what that means is this allows a single person to make the motion to remove the speaker of the house. If they go back on their word to the American people and the policy agenda that's been set forth by Congress and, or in general, doing something unconstitutional. Um, this, for me, was incredibly important. One, not only did it withstand 200 years until Nancy Pelosi, but it is something that allows the representatives to hold the Speaker of the House accountable, but also, to it decentralizes power. And that is the difference between how we are going to run the 118th Congress and what's going on currently in Senate with consolidation of power with Mitch McConnell. Um, the second thing that is in this negotiation currently is a church-style committee, which allows us to look into the weaponization of three-letter organizations like the FBI against the American people. We all know that the FBI has been doing incredibly unethical things, and that is going to be something that not only are we going to set up, but it's also going to be um, run by a Freedom Caucus member. That's incredibly important because we are the conservative faction of Congress, as you saw during this entire process, although we were talking and debating and negotiating, um, there were some people that wanted to go and call us terrorists and um, insurrectionists because we were doing exactly what the American people elected us to do, and that's to debate these issues and have these conversations because what has happened over the last couple of decades is truly breaking this country. Um, I can tell you that every single person, all 20 of these people, to include the people that are still holding votes right now, have been actively a part of accomplishing this um, incredible, I believe, once-in-a-lifetime rules package and change that will change the foundation of Congress and be around way after we are gone, which is exactly why we decided to vote and move in the way that we did. Uh, it will bring a vote to congressional term limits. It will have single-subject bills. It's called single-subject germaneness, meaning that you can't have a bill brought to the floor that's loaded with a bunch of nonsense that you know contributes not only to unethical spending, but also to they can't put any more you know unconstitutional lines in some of these bills if it's not related to the actual bill. It has the Texas border plan, a budget that stops the increase um, and actually uh, I think limits some of these increases by about $132 billion and also stops the increase in the debt ceiling. And so Thomas Massey this evening has gone on to Tucker Carlson, and he's actually going to go through some of the financials in it because this is probably a more aggressive approach to really streamline some of this uh, fraud, waste, and abuse that we're seeing coming out of the federal government um, and ending all COVID mandates and funding, and then also to a 72-hour rule to actually read the bills. But this is only some of the highlights. This is about three and a half pages. It's on paper. You guys will all be able to see that. But to be clear, our votes 
are yes currently, but that is in good faith that this negotiation will be brought to completion um, with absolutely understanding that those that chose to stand up and bring this discussion to the floor in front of the American people, that those people would be not disrespected or retaliated against because we are doing the people's work. There's a lot in this that I actually had a private conversation with Representative Massey, and he goes, look, I was a part of basically taking down uh, Boehner, right? And he's like, but it did nothing. What we needed to do was change the institution, the way that it functions, to decentralize power. And I do believe that if my 20 brothers and sisters did not have the courage to withstand the nasty barrage of attacks, um, that what happened over the last three days in order to accomplish this, we wouldn't have accomplished anything. And those people are absolute patriots. But I want to be clear about something. The media this entire time has been attempting to paint us as wrong for having these conversations. The American people deserve these conversations. They deserve the debate. They deserve to see it. And so if we were the Congress to do it, then so be it. But we are very excited about this. I know Representative Chip Roy, uh, Representative Byron Donalds, Representative Thomas Massey, Scott Perry, even uh, Matt Gates was instrumental in a lot of these ideas. I mean, so many people have been a part of this, and it's really to fix a broken system. So to be clear, it is on paper. You will all see it. Um, we are, you know, we have we have some trust issues, too. But the reason why some of us chose to step forward and say, okay, right now during the negotiation process, we will switch our vote is because this is underway. And in securing this, it's not for us. It's on behalf of the American people and to change the institution. And it will outlast all of us. Okay, real quickly, this package, historic in its nature for the spending, for the rules package, for the investigations, those three big buckets, and you got the Texas plan and other things. Would because you, you, the incoming you've taken is is not as bad. It's bad from the MSNBC and CNN. But let's be brutally frank: conservative media, outside of a few Tucker, the War Room, and a couple of other outlets and, and websites, you've been taking it there. Would this ever have happened, ma'am, if you twenty had not dug in and fought like hell over the last four or five days to get it? No, it wouldn't have. And to be clear, um, you know we were. this was not a a fun process, nor should it be, right? Because if you want true change, no one's ever going to just give it to you. But it's important to note that the 20 of us stood together and, you know, we will continue to make sure that whatever happens tonight, regardless, that these people are our friends. We trust them. They're our colleagues. They're ideologically aligned with us. And so no matter what, we're still going to be providing cover for our friends, even those that, that might not agree with this. But we will be there and we have their backs. Uh, last question. You said it's yes for now. Tonight they're coming and they're saying they may change the denominator or things may happen to actually get this done. They're actually announcing if they do move the, uh, the speaker vote and it's successful for McCarthy, they're going to swear people in immediately. They don't care what time of night, if it's in the middle of the night, and they're going to move the rules package. I'm just quoting what's up on Twitter now from certain news sources. When you say yes for now, do you are you going to get this finally accomplished before all that happens, or will this be a, a process that goes on after uh, any next the next vote for speaker and the, and the subsequent votes for speaker? This will be solidified prior. It's on paper. Um, This will be done prior to that so that we have an understanding. But also to remember, uh, single motion uh, to vacate the chair, the Jeffersonian motion, that's incredibly important. And that has been publicly acknowledged and embraced the conference um, in regards to being able to vote on these rules. I mean, these are all things that are accountability tools to the representatives so that we uh, basically have true, true voices in this body. You know, one of the most alarming things that I found when I got to Congress is that I couldn't just bring a bill to the floor. I had to go to the Rules Committee, right? The Rules Committee determines every single piece of legislation that hits the House floor. And yet on this committee, there wasn't fair representation for conservative members of Congress, members of Congress that might think that, you know, the red flag laws are unconstitutional. That voice wasn't there. 
And so when we're wondering why, you know, when President Trump had the House, the Senate and the executive branch in 2016, why his policy agendas likely were being blocked in Congress, it was because of committees like this. And so to go a little bit into it further, um, the request was to have fair representation on these committees, to have that voice there and present to ensure that our Constitution is being protected. And with this rules package, it's actually doing just that. And so you will all be able to see that. I know Representative Chip Roy is work, uh, still working on finalizing final details. But please ensure that we are not going to move forward with anything until this is finalized. This is in good faith. And ultimately, I just want everyone to can know you, can that you have, can, 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 can you have good faith when obviously you don't trust the cartel? The entire time you went and took all this income and you said, hey, I have to ha- we have to have all these rules packages that not simply has more conservative representation, but opens up a process in one regard, plus takes down the imperial speakership. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, he's going to start getting lit up, not just by his other members, but by the media that he gave up too much to you guys. You, you clearly don't trust him and you don't trust the leadership of the cartel, but you still trust it. That even in writing tonight, that it will be executed and implemented. You're prepared to stand by that to your constituents, which we know yes. you, you won the old-fashioned way going door-to-door? Yes. And I can tell you that I'm not the only one. There are some other staunchly conservative members like Representative Gosar uh, that are standing with us on that. And there's other members, too, that I think you know are potentially still voting no. But I think the other members that are currently no votes, once they see this, once they see that solidified and ultimately that there are the fail safes in place, they might consider switching their votes. But to be clear, I just want to clarify something. The media immediately started circulating that there was a potential chance that there'd be a Democrat. You know, if we didn't if we didn't stop and accept this without making these crazy, quote unquote, cons- uh, requests, that a Democrat would take control of the gavel. And that's simply not true. And I really think that the leftist media tried to destroy our even our conservative base by working, uh, pitting us against each other. And it's to be expected. But just please understand that I'm happy to say just by looking at this, and I'm sure as some of you tune into Tucker Carlson tonight with Representative Massey, that when you hear what he has to say, that this is going to you know, be one of those things that once put in place, it's going to outlive us all. And when I, you know, um, and no longer in D.C. that at least we are able to decentralize and hopefully get the truth out to the American people. That church style committee is going to look into January 6th. It's going to look into the weaponization of the FBI against the American people. It's going to be looking into the weaponization of the DOJ and these agencies that we are funding that are that are breaking laws. And that needs to happen. And so, you know, uh, I just it's been an intense, definitely three days. We're still here. We will likely be voting way into the evening, but this has been really something that we all worked on, blood, sweat, and tears. And when I say we all, I mean every single 20 of us. So, Congressman-elect uh, Anna Polina Luna, uh, how do people follow you on social media and how do they get to your website? I have an official page now set up. It's um, at Rep Luna. My personal is at Real Anna Polina. Uh, thank you very much uh, for taking time away to join us, and we will make sure everybody watches Tucker tonight to see Tom Massey. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Darren Beatty, the, the group that's negotiated this and is going to execute it, they're taking some incoming. Give me your yep. sense. You've been you've been one of the driving focuses on, on particularly these investigations, and you know Tom Massey as well as anybody. Um, right. You've got uh, you, you're going to get the weaponization of government. They've already said is going to include J6 to get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Give us your sense. We got, you know, three or four minutes. I want to just have your sense of where we are tonight, because we're all going to watch Tucker. But this is going to be quite contentious. Trust me, over the next couple of days. Right. Well, it all depends on what the actual detail details are and how it's impl- implemented. I don't have special visibility visibility into that. I do you know, trust and admire a lot of the people involved in the negotiations here, but ultimately, I think it remains to be seen what we're gonna what we're gonna get out of it. I do appreciate that getting to the bottom of January six, among other abuses of the government and intel agencies, is considered to be one of the top priorities um, uh, part of this negotiation. But 
I think it's, you know, it's too early to tell and they just need to stick with it and not relent despite the pressure. You know, um, we took down Cantor in 14 with Dave Bratt in a primary, first time that ever happened in the history of the Republic uh, in a primary for a sitting majority leader. Took out Boehner. Boehner was taken out by Mark Meadows and the motion to vacate and the team at Breitbart and others that, that teamed up to take out Boehner with the motion to vacate in, I think, in 15. Uh, Ryan basically threw in the towel in 18, essentially after screwing President Trump when he had, we had, all, we had every branch of government. Uh, and now McCarthy was the last. McCarthy was sitting there, and this could all have come together. I want to make sure people understand the difficult. When you say taking on the swamp, and that's what I think is too cute to a term. This is nasty work. It's hard work because there's so much money and so much power, and they're not going to be dug out of here easily. Do you think if this is not pulled off tonight, we have lost a, even with the motion to vacate and all the controls around here, that we've lost a unique opportunity to really take out, take a big part of the cartel out. Like Russ Vogt said, once you remove McCarthy, then you can negotiate with who's remaining, but you got to take out the cartel head, the, the last of the Cantor, Boehner, Ryan kind of line of uh, royalty, sir. Well, again, I think it remains to be seen. I don't have much faith in McCarthy, um, but, you know, he's one of these people who, you know, sometimes we lament the fact that these people are totally unprincipled and malleable, but as supremely vacuous in the literal sense, vacuous, I'm not really referring to his cognition, but his just the space of the mind and the spirit that actually uh, where convictions live, that's completely vacant for someone like McCarthy, which it's better, someone like that is better than someone who's convicted in the wrong direction. Problem with someone like McCarthy is the only way he would do anything good is that if he's bullied, he has, to, we have to be able to bully him more than the establishment and the donors and the special interests can entice him and threaten him. It's just a matter of who's giving him the stronger enticement, who's bullying him harder, and that's the direction he'll go. So I'd like to think that we have the leverage to do that. It remains to be seen. But if we don't fixate on this church style committee, which, by the way, Trump is explicitly endorsed. I don't know if you know that he endorsed it in our in our interview. So we've got everyone on board with this church style committee. And I really hope that the people engaging in these negotiations take it seriously, understand the stakes involved, because unless we address this problem of the rogue intel agencies, we're going to, you know, McCarthy is the least of our problems. Talk about fake and performative. Everything is effectively going to be McCarthy unless we get the national security state under control. Real quickly, uh, and by the way, we're going to get to the Ashley Babbitt uh, video and uh, the, about her mom's arrest today tomorrow and tomorrow show. We'll be back at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning covering this nonstop, and I'll probably be up on Getter later as the, as the Star Chamber commences at 10. We're going to try to get... Uh, Grace Chung and Captain Ben will try to work out something. Um, your your interview with President Trump, we've put it up. We're pushing it out. G give our audience, tease it, because I want people to watch all of it. Talk to us about it. Make your pitch, sir. It's right there at revolver.news right now. People are saying it's one of the best they've ever seen, if not the best. And I will say this. This is simply a fact. It's the most extensive discussion he's ever had on these revolver news issues, on the revolver news war room issues, intel abuses, intel involvement in censorship, extensive conversation on the Fed surrection, including Ray Epps, the individual known as Jake Sullivan. Um, we get into you know pretty uncensored talk about Mike Pompeo, Mitch McConnell, Frank Luntz, and others. Um, we have a great time talking about these people and in some cases insulting them, but it's well-deserved. Um, we get into Fauci, <laughs> we get into Fauci and COVID, we get into the JFK files, very fascinating discussion on that. And just to sprinkle a little pop culture on it, we get into an unexpected conversation about Trump's relationship with Michael Jackson. So there's something in there for everybody. Something for everything. Darren Beatty, the reason people are raving about the interview, you're a smart guy and you know the president used to be a speechwriter, so you know, you know, uh, you know how the man ticks. That's why it's such an impressive interview. 
Darren, thank you so much for taking time away on a Friday evening to join us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, homework assignments, 8 o'clock. Make sure you you check Fox for Tucker Carlson. Tom Massey's going to be there. I think he's going to put some math in here, particularly on some of the big issues in the debt ceiling. There's a lot of moving pieces. I mean, Anna Polina Luna said it's a yes for now. This is what Scott Perry said. Um, I just hope it's not the way I would negotiate, but hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? Right now, I just, you know, the cartel is the cartel. And you've this is an opening salvo in the opening weeks of 2023. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to get easier from here. It's just not. And we got some massive issues. Issues of the finances of the company, the economy of the company, the sovereignty of the nation or country, sovereignty of the nation, all of it. Okay. We'll be back here live 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Make sure you're in the war room. Also, check us up on Getter tonight for any uh, further action. And make sure you check out Revolver. See you tomorrow morning at 10. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency.